to the Beef Wash Podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension Beef Educator. For today's Beef Wash Podcast, we're going to take a break from our usual format of discussing Beef Watch newsletter articles. Today's Beef Watch Podcast is a producer's perspective, and I'm joined by Owen Williams, who's part of the Double Eight Ranch near Elk Mountain, Wyoming. Thanks for joining me today. Yeah, you bet. Thanks for having me, Aaron. Well, Owen, I'd like to get your perspective today a little bit about capturing value from heifers in a cow herd. But before we focus on that topic, I'd like you just to share a little bit about the ranch there, the history of the ranch, how you came into your current role, and what are the, some of the things that you've been doing since you took over management? Sure. Yeah. So it's, I'm a third generation here at Elk Mountain. Uh, Grandpa started ranching in 1951 and uh, managed for quite a few years, passing on to my dad. And I took over in about 2012, managing ranch for him, commercial cow herd and traditional, raise enough replacement heifers to, to keep our cow herd numbers where we wanted and, and keep them as long as we could and, and then market them when they were too old or, or didn't raise a calf. So I've, with the increase in cost of production and the marketing climate, I've tried to transition that to capture some of that value of that cow herd at a, at a younger age. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about historically, you know, what's the ranch look like? Maybe just give us a lay of the land a little bit. What's the resource you have there in terms of your annual precip? How many acres does it take to, to run a cow? And, you know, I know you've got some, some irrigated meadow, you put up some hay, but give us just kind of some perspective on the resource you have there. Yeah. So it, uh, there's, you know, there's about 10,000 deeded acres here and, and it varies widely from, like you said, irrigated meadows to arid rangeland. There's, we get about 17 inches of precip annually here and 12 inches of that comes in, in snow. Uh, we're about 8,000 feet in the mountains. Not a lot of summer precip. Irrigated meadows, you're looking at 100 stock days to acre to the acre to, to rangeland and some of it's five or six stock days to the acre. So there's a a huge extreme there in production. So as you think about historically what heifer development and getting a heifer into the cow herd, keeping a cow in the herd look like, uh, what was done historically there? And then there's been a shift, I think, in visiting with you just around how you think about replacement heifers, how you develop them, and then also how you think about marketing cows out of the cow herd. Kind of walk through with us a timeline or, or what's happened with that, what it looked like historically. And then what you transition to now? So traditionally, the, those heifer calves would be weaned and and uh, sorted for replacements. And we would keep, it was about 20% of our herd that we would keep as replacements to uh, maintain our number. And we would send those to a feedlot somewhere to be to be backgrounded and, and put quite a bit of money into them, getting them, getting them to uh, size and to replacement heifer and then, you know, bring them back to the herd and hope they would stay as long as they could. You know, we love to see our 10, 12 year old cows. We were, we were proud of that. There was a longevity component that we were, that we were looking for there that we really liked. Um, I, I began to realize that there was, you know, with the expense of feed and there was a lot of expense in, in those, those heifers getting them to where we wanted. And so we, we started cheapening that up a little bit, even to the point where we were keeping them here at the place. And, uh, and we started keeping all of all of our heifers. We would expose all of them, and so we transitioned to when you keep all of them, part of them you would breed, and and part of them would be turned into a stalker. And so that 
helped us on cash flow. And then because of the amount of heifers that we were inputting into the, the cow herd, that allowed us to start selling off some of the older cows and move. So we've moved the, the age of our cow, our oldest cow back by, you know, to a six or seven year old cow to try to capture some of that value that a middle-aged cow has before she depreciates to a, a lower value. So I would think many people are listening and thinking, wow, you're calving a lot of heifers. What did that do for you in terms of labor? Isn't that expensive developing that many heifers? I guess, what's it look like to you as you think about the cost of getting a heifer into the herd and and how you made that work? Yeah, so the, the, the cost of developing heifer has actually went down for us because we weren't as concerned about a, a really well-developed or well-grown heifer. We were just, we knew that that a large part of them would work and, and the ones that didn't work, we, we weren't worried about because they would, they would turn into a stalker and there's good value there for an open heifer in, in the fall. And, and the other thing we've done is, is we started partnering with a, a Wagyu company and that's uh, marketing Wagyu beef. So that they're a really light, uh, small framed calf, fine boned animal anyway, that has calving yeast. So just naturally a calving yeast animal. And then we were able with that, we were able to start just range calving heifers. So the labor part of it went down. They they get checked once a day whether they need it or not, and there's no no night calving and no no shed, nothing through the shed. So our, our labor expense has went down on calving heifers as well. So, and I guess just to give some framework here, you'd been in a scenario where you were, I assume, AIing bull breeding those heifers. They were calving at the place, uh, going through the facilities through the shed. Now you've transitioned to those heifers are exposed to Wagyu bulls, and then you're range calving them, uh, that's a pretty different type scenario, I think, than many people would think about as they think about calving heifers. What's that looked like? How's that worked? Yeah, it's, it's worked. It's worked really well for us. It's, uh, you know, it's allowed us to, at the same time we were transitioning heifers, we transitioned the cow to a May-June calving herd, and that's where heifers are now, too. They calve in May and June, range calf to you know, bull bred Wagyu bulls exposed to them. And so it's allowed us to expand our cow with, with less labor. It used to be the, uh, traditionally the amount of cows we could run wasn't limited by necessarily the feed resource, but it was limited by the amount of labor that, that we could supply to, to calve those cows through the barn. So when you, when you take that component away and they're calving on green grass in the warm weather and doing it themselves, We've trip, tripled the cow herd in the last 10, 12 years with, with less labor. Oh, and as you think about this heifer you've developed now, I mean, before they were going to a feed yard, being backgrounded, then being brought back to the ranch. Now those heifers are staying on the ranch through the winter. Uh, they're being bred later in the summer on range. How has that change in development impacted the heifers, how they've made cows for you? Have you noticed any changes with that? Yeah, we have noticed some changes. The biggest uh, is, is behavior, uh, both in grazing, grazing behavior, and the, the biggest shift we've seen that we really like is in the, in the behavior, how they move. You know, when they're here and they're, they're, they never leave and they, they've never been in that confined system and they're, they're moved fairly often, they're just a lot quieter when you move them. And, and we see that 
transfer all the way through you know, heifers that have their first calf. And everybody knows what it's like moving pairs or even first calf heifers with young calves. And it's, it's a stockmanship challenge, but we we've seen a, we've seen an improvement in how they move and how they respond and how they act that, that we, we really like. So no, for some folks they are thinking calving heifers out on range. Do you have just a wreck <laughs> there? You know, they're thinking we have trouble keeping heifers paired up. What does that look like? You said you check them once a day and you kind of said tongue in cheek, whether they need it or not, but how do you get along calving heifers on range when they're basically doing it on their own for the first time? Yeah, we've we've had really good luck. Uh, I think, you know, you give them the, the thing about range is, you know, over confinement or having them close to the barn is they've got enough. They've got enough room to to be their own. They have their own space and, and that cuts way down on on mothering issues or being crossed up with other calves or but. And then it's a quiet environment. So, you know, uh, sometimes you have a hard time. I've seen heifers that didn't really want to take a calf. Or, you know, they were in the shed and you assisted them or, you know, it's so it's there's so much trauma there. Or, or just so much. They're so stirred up that they have a hard time even thinking about mother and a calf. And you don't you don't see that in a range, a range scenario because it's it's all quiet and they're on their own and nobody's there to to bother them and, and so it keeps them we don't have issues with with cows mothering calves occasionally you'll find what must be a twin or or a heifer that didn't have enough maternal instincts to take the calf and and you find the calf and you don't know the whole story but if, if she doesn't have a calf a live calf by the time we brand then then she's she's marketed she moves on so she she failed in her first job Oh, and you mentioned you're you're breeding these heifers, obviously, late summer. What does the typical breed up look for you like on these heifers coming through the winter, challenging them a bit, then they hit green grass? How does that work out in terms of, as you think about the number of heifers you expose, how long are you exposing them, and then what percent get pregnant? Yeah, so we're exposing for 45 days, and it's varied a little bit, but in the, you know, from the, from 70 to, to low 80s. Is probably the best we've done, but and and part of that is we're, we're learning on nutrition both both before breeding and and through the winter. And there's been some challenges here at our our elevation and with our resources. There's been some nutrition challenges to get them there. And those those numbers for for what we're doing and and the low inputs and and what how we're managing them. Obviously, I, I would like it to improve or be better, but I'm happy I'm happy where we're at now. So for those heifers that get pregnant their first time around, what does fallout look like then coming back as a three-year-old? Do you have pretty good breed up on those or do you see some challenge there as well? It's, it's a challenge. It's a challenge, but it's, it's the same challenge that we're facing with the whole cow herd. That's, that's the one, the one challenge that you face across your whole cow herd. When you, when you go to May, um, a May, June calving system is trying to breed those cows in later summer and, you know, we're, we're increasing, we're learning, you know, we've, we've had to do some supplement depending on precipitation and, and what the year looks like, some supplement later summer when you're breeding them to help them. But it's no worse of a challenge than, I mean, three-year-olds are a challenge, obviously, and we're getting better, but it's the same challenge we're facing with the cow, whole cow herd. 
So you mentioned early on in our conversation, just kind of the transition that's occurred. So now the oldest cow in the herd is six or seven. I guess just kind of walk through us mentally. Why did you move to that? I think many producers would say, boy, I'd like to get cows out to age 10 or 12. Those are my best cows. Those are cows that have eight or nine calves. You're selling a cow at the prime of life, six or seven, when she's just, you've got four or five calves out of her and she's just kind of getting to where now you you found a cow that works for you. Why are you selling them at that age? Well, I started looking at the, at the, what that cow returns you from, from another calf compared to the depreciation that she faces because of age. And, you know, cows, if you look at the life of a cow, her, she increases in value until four or five years old and then starts steadily declining in value the rest of her life. Most of the time, or what I was seeing is the, the decline in value of those cows because of age was greater than than what the value of, of those added calves were, were netting us. So I was just, really, it's just depreciation on the cow herd. You know, what, what those cows are returning you compared to what it costs to build heifers and put back into the system. When I started looking at that, our, our depreciation, you know, to was on, on a cow was over was well over a hundred dollars a head. So I started trying to understand what I could do or how I could change that system to to decrease that number. So what I hear you saying, Owen, is you were kind of sitting down and saying, okay, what's the value of cows in the herd, looking at their current market value, and then looking at, okay, what's it cost me to carry this cow for another year? But what's happening to that cow in terms of her market value and depreciating? And is the value of the calf greater than, in terms of what we get back from that, greater than what she occurs in depreciation? And what it sounds like you're saying is you, when you put a pencil to it, uh, it actually made more sense to sell that cow before she depreciated more in value and then put money towards getting a replacement back in the herd. Is that, is that accurate? Yeah, that's accurate. That's accurate. And, and, you know, part of what I was running into is I did like old cows. I liked old cows. I was proud of those old cows, um, proud of the longevity of our cow herd. But it, it always seemed like I kept those cows one year too long. You know, I really, they were, they were an old cow and they did a really good job and they raised a nice calf. And then I would keep them one year too long at this, with this elevation and this climate. And, and then I had a thin crippled cow that, that weaned a really poor calf. And so because of, because I wasn't good at, at selecting those cows last year for them, they ended up selecting it for me. And it was, it was never, it was never good financially. So when I, when I transitioned to selling those older cows, some of the benefits that I didn't, you know, I was working on depreciation, but some of the benefits that I didn't even think about until we did it was the class of coal cow that we're selling dramatically increased. So now I'm selling, you know, an, an open cow or a, a coal cow in the fall or open cow in the summer now is a is a younger aged cow that's that's got a lot of weight and really fleshy. So and and the amount of cripple or stifle or thin or no teeth or you know that those cows are are gone. So the the class of coal cow increased dramatically and that that helped us on our coal cow sales. And then talk about what you're doing with your bread cows. What's happening with that? Uh, how are you marketing bread cows now? 
I usually market uh, bred cows in the spring. I, I think, you know, if you have a, I feel like if I can get them wintered fairly cheap, that there's enough increase in market from the fall market to the spring market to by far pay for, pay for that, that feed if, if it's relatively cheap. And so then I would, I would hit some bread cow market uh, sales with them and go to the, go to the sale barn or get some of those involved and they would help me market it. And it's slowly transitioning to, to uh, private treaty sales. Kind of people, people know I'm going to have them for sale. People want those cows, seek them out and, Really, that's that's where I want to be. I, that's one of my goals. It would be to establish some long-term relationships with people that really want those cows that that have a different feed resource or you know don't want to deal with heifers and market them that way every year. So, Owen, what I've heard you say is basically you've you've thought about a system here, all the way from heifer development to cows leaving the herd, in terms of how do you reduce costs, but also how do you think about capturing more value? Uh, just thinking about your replacement heifer development, you mentioned about reducing costs, but then having the opportunity to market those open heifers as feeders, uh, breeding those first calf heifers to Wagyu. So you have a smaller calf, but they're bringing a premium on the market and and finding a niche for those to go to. And then on the other end, you know, identifying what's happening with cow value in terms of what happens with that cow's value over her life. And then trying to market those cows, whether they're young cull cows at heavier weights uh, with more condition or bred cows that can go to somebody else that fits the resource they have. But it's really focused around how do we reduce costs, but also look for opportunities to capture value. I guess, I guess help me think through now as you've entered into this system, what are some things you've seen? Uh, what are some of the results of, of what you've built now over a several year period and putting all the pieces of the puzzle together? Well, I think it's it's brought a lot of value, and and from what we what we've seen is we won't we won't go back to where we were before. It's really helped the, the class of cattle that we that we deal with, and young set of cows is a lot of fun, and they're fun to market. And but it, it's helped the depreciation. And one thing I I haven't mentioned, but that this system has really helped with, and and it, we struggle with in the ranching industry is cash flow, and this system has really helped cash flow because it market cold cows in the, in, in the summer or in these, these bread cows that we sell in the spring, they they allow a good chunk of cash to come in in the spring where we normally wouldn't have much income. So that is that has really helped. I guess we haven't talked about this, but how about the calves from, I'm thinking here, the steer calves from your, it'd be three-year-olds to seven-year-old cows. Has that changed anything for you in terms of uniformity of the calf crop, uh, how you market those, or has that changed much at all? Yeah, it's it's created a really uniform set of calves that's really easy to market, and we've uh, we've been able to kind of hone in on that, and we kind of set our cow numbers according to load lots uh, on steers. I, I found that's a good way for me to set a cow a cow herd number with just with not many sorts because the sorts are you know we do good at marketing the large chunk of steer calves, and then the sort calves are, are a little harder to to market and. It's made a really uniform package of calves with very few sorts, and so I can I can set my I try to set a cow herd number that produces a certain truckloads of cows with the fewest with the fewest sorts, and the, those sorts we're running over we're, we're turning them into stockers as well. So not only does the light into the heifers turn into a stalker, but the light into the steers does as well, and that seems to work well for us. 
Owen, anything else that you've thought about the system you've developed and the just the thought process you've went through to move to this later calving with the heifers, range calving, uh, using Wagyu as a tool to add value to those calves, and then also thinking about how you've thought about the the other end, marketing cold cows, marketing bred cows, any other things that come to mind in terms of things that have been valuable to the operation as you think about this transition? Well, I think, I think we keep learning and we keep growing and, and there's, there's been some growing pains and, and, you know, you know, breed back and some things like that have been, there's been some growing pains that we're, we're figuring out as, as we go, but, you know, overall the, the economics of it, the, the cash flow side of it, the labor side of it, the input side of it, it's, it's working for us really, really well. And, and I have, I have no intention of going back and doing what we were doing before because of you know, where it's where it's allowed us to expand and where it's allowed us to go and and uh, the the labor input and we don't get up at night and it's been a challenge I, I've I enjoyed the challenge and I think we've we've learned a lot in the last few years and but I, I don't I don't think I would ever go back. Well, Owen, thanks for your time today. Thanks for sharing about your system there, what you've learned, and how you put the pieces of the puzzle together to fit the resources you have there. Yeah, well, thank you, Aaron. I always uh, we still have a lot to learn, but I always I always enjoy talking about cattle and and the the marketing and what we're doing and what we're trying. And so, thanks for having me. Well, for more about the Double Eight Ranch and Owen Williams, you can find more information about them online. And again, if you have interest in the thought process around looking at the value of cat appreciation, there is an article in the June issue of the Beef Watch newsletter that talks about the value of heifer calves, thinking about the value over their life. Some of the advantages that they provide in terms of options, in terms of either marking those as a feeder or as a bred heifer, I would encourage you to check that out at the beef.unl.edu website.